You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back to Deep Dives with Sharks. I am once again Alex, going to be your host for as long as this thing runs, hopefully. Um, I do want to apologize in advance if this is incredibly long because we are actually going to do my favorite shark today, which I did a lot of research into. But uh, this one actually came from one of my buddies, Mike, off of Instagram. I've actually known him since middle school, so I don't know if he suggests this because I've talked about whale sharks before in the past or if it's actually one he's kind of knew about previously and wanted to know more about. But with this, uh, I, before we jump into it, I did want to real quick say that, of course, anyone else can submit a recommendation or a request, uh, any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that on Instagram. Uh, I am there under Deep Dives with Sharks. I believe it's all lowercase. Uh, and just send a DM. I'll do my best to either answer it on the podcast or there, either one. Um, but with this, before we go any or delay any longer, I guess I should say, we're going to be talking about the whale shark. So was first discovered by British soldiers in 1828 when they were stationed in South Africa, and they noted that once they had harpooned it, it, the size of the shark was only about 15 feet at the time, but it was similar to the size of a whale, and it ate a lot of plankton, which was very similar to what whales do as well, and they decided to name it a whale shark. Now, it is the largest of these sharks, usually growing it to around 40 feet, although it can get all the way up to 60 feet, and the largest specimen was 65. So it just kind of depends on how big they want to get, I guess. But uh, for my friends using the metric system, this would, of course, be around 20 meters, although they can actually grow larger than that as well. Uh, Their mouth also typically is going to be about 5 feet wide, so just imagine one of your short friends and then just turn them sideways and about that wide. Um, But... Uh, They're the largest fish in the sea, Uh, so sharks all as a whole, they are fish. Uh, They're not their own classification there. And although some whales do get bigger, uh, whales are actually mammals, not fish, so therefore they wouldn't be the largest fish. They'd be the largest mammal. Um, But they're about the same size as an American school bus. Uh, They're known as the gentle giants uh, because of their docile nature, so they don't really mess with people or hurt them in any way, shape, or form. But... Uh, They're also going to be one of the heaviest fish that you could find in the ocean. They do weigh about 11 tons, so much heavier than any shark we've covered so far, Uh, especially looking at the Great Hammerhead, which was the next largest one. That one weighed in at about 1,300 pounds, so that's actually going to be 700 pounds short of a ton, and that would be, you'd have to add 10 more tons onto that to get the weight of a whale shark, so they are massive. Now, they live anywhere in the open ocean, uh, usually from around 100 meters deep uh, to the surface, mostly for feeding, and that's usually where they will be identified and documented being, because a lot of times when you see a whale shark, they're feeding. They like to eat a lot, and they have to eat a lot, especially with how big they are. Now, they are filter feeders, uh, so they only eat plankton, uh, sperm, and egg cells, and krill sometimes. They can also eat small fish and small uh, cephalopods like octopus or squid, so very, very small, though. Um, Their throat's actually only the size of a roll of quarters, so anything that could fit through there uh, could be eaten by a whale shark. So that takes humans right off the list. So, of course, if you ever are going snorkeling or anything with them, you don't have to worry about any of that. But 
they do two types of filtration. There's active filtration and passive filtration. Now, active filtration is when they're actually sucking the water into their mouth and then filtering it through the gills and then catching everything on their filter pads, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about more later. Uh, and then passive is quite literally when they just start swimming with their mouth open. Now, you can easily see when a whale shark is doing active versus passive filtration. Uh, when they're doing active filtration, you will actually see what looks like a giant swallowing motion because they'll just absorb and just suck so much water into their mouth, like gallons at a time. So they'll be able to get all that in at the same time and do that actually rather quickly. But uh, they also are tropical fish. So they're going to be around the equator, uh, found between the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer, but they do also migrate quite a bit. So they'll probably be found inside and outside of that area as well, following the warm waters. They have been found up in parts of Canada and also down into Chile. Now they're not there very often, usually around July when it gets to be the hottest part in the Northern Hemisphere and then December, January when it gets to be the warmest part in the Southern Hemisphere. So they'll move with those tides uh, and as the warm water changes, they don't like being in water that is under 70 degrees. So they're going to not be too far away from the equator as usually you're gonna get nice what some people would call nice bath water temperatures in that area. Um, but they're also very easy to identify. Uh, they are huge. As I mentioned, they usually grow to be 40 to 50 to 60 feet long. So they're going to be massive. It's kind of hard to misidentify a fish that is the size of a school bus when there's not that many that are going to get up to that size. But they also have that very gray body with white spots all around it. Uh, and also these spots are going to be used to have a unique pattern on them. They're used to identify them as well. So same way that when someone finds a human fingerprint or we can identify people based off their fingerprint, same thing for sharks. Uh, researchers have used that in the past in order to identify different individuals that have shown up in the area. Uh, so ones that they have documented while on snorkeling trips or anything like that, they also are able to document them in different areas and see the migration patterns as well as anything else uh, or anywhere else they might be going to. Now this can also cause concern at times if they find an individual to have migrated somewhere else because then they're gonna try to figure out why it left that area and also that can kinda give us a hint about what's going on in that ecosystem. But they do believe that whale sharks can live to be about 80 to 130 years old depending on the situation that they're in. In captivity, none have made it up to that age yet as there still is a lot to be learned about whale sharks and the reason why any of them are in captivity, we'll also go over that later, but it's it pretty much the option was either they'd be in captivity or they'd be dead. So we'll talk more about that a little bit later. I do have that actually planned out. Now, the whale shark also has 300 rows of small teeth. Uh, they're very hard to see, and in any picture you see, you're probably not going to see them. Um, but they use those for filtering, so they're not actually used to chew anything up or anything like that. And they also use 20 filter pads that they have in their mouth to also catch any of that sediment, anything that they're trying to eat, uh, and also get anything that they don't want to eat out as well. So they can kind of push that water back out, which will take anything that was caught on there that they don't want right back out, so they're not just going to eat a bunch of grossness. Now, they also, uh, most sharks are going to have denticles. Now, I talked about this before. Those are like the teeth-like structures uh, that are going to be on their skin. They're only going to be on their skin usually, but whale sharks have a unique eye as well. So essentially where our eyelid is, uh, they have more denticles. So that way they, or denticles, I should say, but they'll make sure that it's going to protect their eye. Now, 
they also can pull their eye further into its socket, so that way if something's happening, um, they need to get their eye out of the way, like it's about to be bitten or anything like that, they can move it, so that way it's kind of like a turtle would move its head, uh, but they're going to make sure that they're going to protect their eye so that way it doesn't get hurt, damaged in any way, shape, or form. Now, there's also not a lot known about whale sharks. They're one of the kind of uh, hardest species to find in a certain sense. They're known to be around certain areas, but there's just not a lot of research that's been done on them because when, usually when they're on the surface, they're only eating, and that's usually the only time that humans get to interact with them because even when you're diving and everything, you can't just follow a whale shark around for hours. You eventually run out of air in your scuba, and going down to a 1,000 meters, that also is going to be a pressure differential that you have to keep up with. So there's a lot of reasons why we can't do a whole lot of research on them, but... Um, the one thing that they really don't know about is their mating process. Uh, now, the only first mating attempt uh, was recorded in 2019, and it was unsuccessful as the female did not engage uh, with the male. Uh, so scientists weren't 100% certain that that was a real like mating ritual or not because they haven't been able to find any other instances where whale sharks have mated. Uh, they have not done it in captivity either. But also like to point out I feel bad for that whale shark because he's just kind of getting roasted for that really bad mating attempt. Uh, so definitely pour one out for that guy tonight because I, I couldn't imagine. But uh, they also noticed in 2013 that there was a female that they identified that had eggs inside of her. So the what? So some sharks, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but some sharks give live birth, others will lay eggs, and then some kind of do both. So they'll have eggs, but inside, and then they'll give live birth. So in this case, uh, the whale shark had eggs inside. Uh, I believe she had over 300 of them, so quite a large number there as well. And they do believe that they give live birth. Now, they did not see her give live birth, so they don't know if she was going to deposit these eggs somewhere else, but at this time, they're not sure if it's live birth, if it it's hatched out of an egg. Uh, they've never found a whale shark egg either, so still trying to figure out how they actually give birth and anything like that. Now, these creatures are going to be incredibly docile. They do not mess with things. They are quite literally only focused on if they can eat all the plankton and krill and any different types of specimens that might be around, but they really only want the small things, so they're very easy to snorkel with and dive with, and have created a huge, huge market for tourism in certain areas, um, especially like Cancun. Uh, they'll have a great, great tourism market there because a lot of people want to see a whale shark and they want to snorkel or dive with it, so they'll give them that opportunity. Now, one thing to mention as well, they do have a lot of protection around them, so that way they can't be legally fished because of these tourism markets. Now, this isn't worldwide. There are still parts of Asia that, uh, while the rest of the world has provided these protections, just does not. Uh, so they'll still use them for food, uh, anything like that. So they'll still go in and fish for them, which is decreasing their population. And also... Just because there's laws doesn't mean that it's going to stop people from illegally fishing them as well. Now, this could either be because of just ignorance, not really understanding that there are rules in place that will protect them, but also it could be because they just don't care. Um, they're going to be there to try to make sure that they can fish for that shark, and if they catch it, great. If not, they're going to keep trying. 
but the only part of the whale shark that can actually hurt humans is going to be when they dive if a human is underneath them uh, because unlike whales they don't give you that warning so they just go down so if a diver or someone who is snorkeling tried to get a look underneath of them and then they ended up getting caught underneath that can be a very dangerous situation and they also have a very powerful tail now their tail does go a little bit further past their body so a lot of people don't realize that that's an issue so they might get accidentally clipped or something like that by its tail which creates a lot of dangerous situations this can also break bones uh there have been cases where someone has broken a leg or an arm because the tail's coming through and then they go to block it and snap a limb so just do be careful if you are doing that um, but they are currently listed as endangered, uh, and they do believe the population numbers are declining, although there still are very large gatherings of whale sharks, uh, such as every May through, I believe it's August. There are 400 sharks that usually come together in Cancun, Mexico, uh, which scientists believe is because of the feeding that is there, and usually when they're observed and identified, they are, in fact, eating, but uh, with this as well, they also believe it may be because of mating, but once again, they're not so sure about it. So want to make sure that they uh, don't fully go out with that word, but they're definitely trying to figure out if that is why they get there as well. There are only two aquariums in the world that do have these sharks. Uh, that is going to be the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta and then also the Okanagua Aquarium in Japan. And the reason why either of these two have them, now first of all, they're not shoving them in a small tank. They are bigger than two football fields uh, wide. They also hold, I believe it's 5.2 billion gallons for the Georgia Aquarium. I'm not exactly sure the numbers of the Okinawa Aquarium, but they are built to hold up to six whale sharks. Uh, currently, they both only hold two. So the way that they got those whale sharks as well, because a lot of people do complain about this, especially the fact that they're migratory sharks. Uh, I know that there was a different shark podcast I was listening to back in college, and the host of that one was very, very adamant about not having a single shark in captivity. And then I was also very confused because there was a shark aquarium opening in Germany that he had a part in helping them identify sharks to put in there. And I was very confused. But with this... The sharks that they have at the Atlanta Aquarium are there because they were going to be either in a fish market or in an aquarium. Uh, the people that were there weren't going to release them back into the wild. They were going to sell them one way or another. So they wanted to make sure that they'd still live. They'd be able to contribute to learning more about whale sharks. So they took the opportunity to get them, learn about them, everything like that. So that way they would understand what is going on with whale sharks. And it's been pretty beneficial, although... There have been a couple species, or a couple of those individuals have unfortunately passed, um, but they're still trying to figure out reasons why and what they can do in the future to protect them, everything like that. And a lot of times, too, animals that are in zoos and aquariums get a very luxurious life. Now, I know that people will say the opposite, but at this point, they don't have to hunt for their food. They don't have to worry about any predators or anything. So in that sense, they don't have to worry. Now, of course, they don't have the entire ocean to swim in, but you know, they try to mimic the best that they can. Now, I could sit here for hours and hours defending different aquariums and everything, but I'm going to move on at this point. Now, the reason why these sharks are endangered is because they're mostly hunted for their meat uh, and their massive fins. Uh, they can bring a lot of profit in for anyone who has either the fins of the shark or selling it for meat as well. It is very highly consumed in Asia as well, as that is the case with many of the sharks here. But the thing is, because of their tourism uh 
benefits and the amount that people can come in and see them, swim with them, uh, take pictures the whole nine yards. They're better alive than they are dead and they're more profitable. So a lot of places that aim to protect them and make money off of them would much rather have them be alive and able to bring multiple tour groups out to see them, swim with them, uh, everything like that. I almost said another thing that I'm going to address in the next thing because fun fact, our safety tip is going to be how to swim safely with one because this whole shark, I tried, the whole shark, this whole episode, I tried to make a uh, theme during whale sharks. Uh, spoiler alert, I could not find any stories on whale sharks. And then, yeah, we'll get more into that later. But with this, but they're just a lot more profitable if they're alive than if they're dead. So make, keeping them alive, keeping them protected, putting protections in place and furthering research is only going to help to make sure that the companies can keep going uh, and can keep these sharks safe. Uh, now, of course, that does lead us to our next segment, which is going to be shark safety, and that is going to involve safely swimming with a whale shark. Now, with this course, if you guys have any questions about the whale shark, anything I didn't address, anything like that, feel free to send me a message over on Instagram. I'll be very happy to reply to that, or if you have my phone number or anything like that, you can text that too. Uh, but if you guys have any questions, please let me know. I am more than happy to talk about these guys for the next 17 and a half years. So I will definitely do that forever. Uh, but <laughs> with this, uh, so going on to how to safely swim with a whale shark. Now, this one I get mostly from uh, Eco Colors Tours, which is the tour group that I used in Cancun. Uh, because uh, my girlfriend and I, who uh, you guys may know by a couple of different names, uh, she does go by goalie on certain platforms because she's definitely a keeper. But uh, with this, we got to go snorkeling with them back in July. Um, we learned a lot of safety tips when swimming with them, and also they gave us a lot of different rules to follow. Uh, one thing I did forget to mention is that for a lot of the research uh, on the information I gave about the whale shark, I got from uh, the World Wildlife Foundation as well as Nat Geo. Uh, so they were two of the ones that I used for that one as well. And then a little bit from the discovery page too. So got a little bit from all three of those there. But going back to the safety here, uh, so I just want to really point out that these sharks should not be feared. Now, I know that they are absolutely massive. Uh, swimming with something the size of a school bus going to be a really stressful situation. So we really don't want to give you the idea that they're going to be harmful to you or it's going to be a dangerous situation. Now, am I going to promise you it's not going to be scary? Absolutely not, because I was terrified the entire time I was doing it, but I want to do it again. So <laughs> it's more of the expectation here. But with this, I didn't want to say they're gentle giants. Uh, I was still definitely terrified the whole time I was doing it. Uh, and even though I've done a lot of research on them in the past and I knew that there's pretty much no way that they could hurt me or anything like that, it's more likely that I would hurt them on accident. It still was a very scary kind of heart beating, just constantly feeling. Now, first rule, of course, they told us was not to touch them at all. Now, of course, this is a rule that gets broken all the time in tourism areas. And it's a lot easier to do it with certain animals than it is others. Uh, so, for example, when I was in the Galapagos in 2015, uh, we were definitely told, hey, don't touch any of the wildlife, like, at all. And a sea turtle swam right up to me and had its fin nearby, so I just kind of, like, touched it because I high-fived a sea turtle, and I thought that was cool. Now, would I do that today? Probably not, because I realized that that could have had, like, bad implications to that turtle, and I hope everything was fine, but that's a very like much smaller animal definitely one that wasn't as terrifying and once you're face to face with a 50 60 foot animal 
the, the, my first thought was keep it as far away from me, but still as close to me as possible. Like it was a really weird thought pattern going on. But with this, if you touch a whale shark, there's a lot of oils on our skin that could end up getting on the shark. And then that can cause skin infections, which of course in captivity can be treated, but in the wild, no one's sitting out there dropping stuff in the water to try to protect the whale shark skin. So easiest ways to make sure you keep your skin oils to yourself as much as possible, which also I did want to say, they did tell us beforehand that if we're going to put sunscreen on, to do it in the hotel like really early in the morning. So we literally woke up in the morning and then just put sunscreen on. Now, of course, the way that sunscreen works is you're supposed to reapply it, but that's once you get in the water, it's going to wash right off you. So they don't let you do it there. Um, just so that way at that point, it doesn't wash off. The whale shark's not eating all of it. It's not getting over everything else they're trying to eat. Uh, it's kind of like when you get like something on your own food is the best way they described it to us. Like if someone sprays something near your food and then all of a sudden you go and eat it and taste it, it's just kind of like, that's gross. So like it can make them sick, it can do things like that. So they say that you shouldn't use sunscreen when you're around there as well. So just be warned of that because that was something we weren't prepared for and especially me because I burned and looked turned into a lobster. So it was fine. It's fine. But <laughs> with this, uh, they also say that you want to stay six feet away from the shark at all times. And I'm going to emphasize that you should try that um, because it's very hard to keep up with. Now, being there and having that shark around you, you're thinking, okay, like, yeah, I just won't get that close to it. The thing is, when I went in the water, we saw four different sharks. And one of them was able to sneak up on us. So you'd think that a 60, 50, 40 foot shark would be very easy to not be snuck up on. But the thing is they don't make any noise. Uh, so they just kind of go wherever they want. They're just following the food that they're eating. And you're five, six feet, something in there. Usually maybe seven if you're really tall. But you're somewhere in that range. And to a massive shark like that, they don't even really see you or acknowledge you so they'll notice that you're there they usually won't like slam into you like people aren't just getting like absolutely bodied by sharks out in the water but it is something that they'll just come right up to you and there were a few times where like the shark that came up behind us like of course this is like in the middle of me panicking uh but i was like turning filming one shark and then i turn around and literally as i looked down like if i would have just like extended my flipper down i would have touched him like he was within a foot of me and thankfully like I, that was like the front of him and the tour guide that I was with, because they only sent us in in groups of two at a time as well, so I don't want you to think that they just shoved a bunch of random people, uh, especially Americans, into the water, which I only say that because in Ecuador they told us that we weren't getting going to certain islands where certain dangerous animals were, um, simply because they couldn't trust Americans because of things that had happened in the past uh, with Americans not following rules. So as a culture, we're not really great at being told no, Um so, in this case, they only put us in the water two at a time, and also, uh, it was the group was very small as well. It was um, myself and my girlfriend, a group from California, uh, these three girls from Denmark, and then this family that had come from, I believe it was China as well. So, very mixed group there, but they literally went only two at a time at the most. Uh, so, you figured out, like, you buddied up, and then you went and you swam. And the thing is, it wasn't for that long either, it was only for about seven minutes at a time. So more of the time took just getting out there. It was an hour drive out in the water for seven minutes of swimming, which sounds like an absolute ripoff, but let me tell you, I'd pay all the money just to do that again because just being in the water with them, even though I've mentioned it was terrifying, my heart was beating, I was panicking, I was freaking out, 
is very different than what you see online as well. Um, so with this, you see all the videos online, especially on like Reddit, Twitter, anything like that, where people are just peacefully swimming next to a whale shark and they're doing all the cool like moves and everything like that. And the whale shark's just hanging out and vibing and it's so nice and peaceful. Um, but what happens is our guide told us she's going to tell us to jump and we're going to jump and then we have to catch up to the shark. And quite literally, they're just holding on to you while you're off the side of a boat and then you just jump. And all of a sudden, you're in the water with these massive animals and one of the person who's guiding you. And my whole thing was just stay with the guide. And it worked kind of well until the whale shark doubled back and our guide like swam faster than we did. And then in between us and the guide was a whale shark. So that was a little nerve-wracking. Um, but the good thing is that I was a good boyfriend at the time and made sure to keep my girlfriend safe, but the whole thing, I made sure to stay with her and tried to make sure I had a buddy system at the whole time because some people are going to be experienced enough with these animals that they can pretty much go on their own. They don't need a guide with them. They're fine. But since both of us were there on our first time, like, well, I know more about these animals than she does. So let me do what I can to keep her safe and like move her out the way if she needs to, anything like that. So Pretty much it's very hard to make sure you stay away from their tail. Uh, and when I say very hard, I mean, like, not hard at all. Uh, because you can usually see them coming. So even that shark that, like, snook up, snook up, snuck up on us uh, came up right behind us. And we still had plenty of time to get out the way. Um, and thankfully, like, I think she grabbed me and I grabbed her. We both instinctively just swam backwards and were out the way. Uh, and that was on our way back to the boat anyway. So that was pretty much the end of our snorkeling event there. But... With this, it's one of those things that they always say, like, hey, just make sure you're aware of your surroundings, and that I cannot emphasize enough, because they literally give you no warning that they're there. It's not like uh, any machine that you've heard in life or other animals that make noise when they come up, because the water's in your ears. You can't hear anything, and the, it's not like the whale shark has an alarm that goes off on it, so it's just going to be there, and you have to make sure you're aware of that, because if anything, it's going to bump into you, and it might hit you with your tail, so you just have to be aware, and... Even so, once it starts coming by you, you'll see it uh, before its tail hits you in your peripheral, so you'll be able to move out the way as well. So really, it's not too hard. It's just not getting too close. Um, same thing with, like, if you're ever snorkeling with, like, humpbacks or anything like that, like, don't swim right next to its tail. Just simple ideas there. Just don't do that. Another thing to be careful of, as I mentioned earlier, is when they go to dive. Now, whales usually give you a good idea of when they're about to dive because you'll see them come up, uh, take a breath out of their blowhole there, um, and then they'll go through. They'll eventually just do a nice big arch dive, and you know exactly when they're about to dive. A whale shark doesn't have to go for air, so once they decide they're done being at the surface and they, they're done eating for right now, they're just going to go down to the bottom. And when I say the bottom, I mean down past where you can see them because even though it's still clear blue water that's beautiful eventually there's enough water in the way that you can't see them so they'll still just go swim down and they'll do whatever so the tour guide made sure to emphasize to not swim below them now as a diver this could be okay because the diver might just you'll still have an air supply the issue is that you have the pressure because if they're going all the way down to that 1000 meters that's a big distance and you get all the pressure so just trying to make sure that you're not trapped underneath of them so it's always safest if you're off to their side or in front of them uh, behind them as well is fine too just making sure you're staying away from the, uh, the tail so trying to stay on the same level or above them is usually the best bet because in that case you're not going to get stuck underneath them in any way if they suddenly turn where they're above you you're not in that situation 
I will say more experienced divers and more experienced guides uh, showed us pictures of when they did go underneath of one. So it is possible, but I definitely say that as a person just going on one of these tour groups uh, that isn't experienced, don't go anywhere near the belly of the shark. It's just not a good idea. Uh, because especially if you're snorkeling, you could drown, and that's a terrifying situation. So just be careful of that. One thing to also mention, make sure that when you're jumping into the water, even with a snorkel, that I, I learned this back in 2015, so I remember to do it this time. But when you go to jump in the water, your head might go under, which means your snorkel might get water in it. So make sure that you first, before you jump in, take a breath. Uh, so that way all you have to do is just blow out so that way the water will go out of your snorkel so you don't just immediately inhale water because uh, that will kind of ruin your experience a little bit if you're just choking for the next five minutes. So just making sure that you're not accidentally drowning yourself. So just blow that air out of the snorkel immediately. There you go. But, <clears throat> sorry, moving down my document here. Uh, but with this, it's going to be only for a few minutes, as I mentioned. Uh, a lot of tour groups aren't going to have you out there for any more than 10, and even that's a really long time. Uh, I know that they had it in little groups, and we were able to go out there twice. Uh, I, My girlfriend and I just got really seasick uh, after our first one, so we both ended up not going again. But the other groups all got to go twice. Uh, I even took a Dramamine that morning, so next time I'll know to like double up and maybe even triple up. Just overdose on Dramamine real quick. Probably not a good idea to say, but <laughs> going to be one that I'm going to try to do next time because, oh boy, that was some really bad seasickness that I usually don't get. But the waves are actually pretty rough that day. Um, but with this, it's only going to be for a few minutes. So even though that whole seven minutes I was freaking out, panicking, and screaming and losing my mind, it was all still amazing and beautiful, and I'd want to do it again. Uh, I guarantee if there comes any situation where I'm going to be brought back out into the water and I have a chance to go with whale sharks or basking sharks or any other type of shark, uh, tiger sharks even, I do want to go diving with them at some point uh, and free diving too. So just because pe people always assume, uh, assume, assume that I just want to be in a cage, but I definitely want to be free diving with them as well, although that also I feel will be a really scary situation. But just making sure... You're enjoying the moment, remembering to breathe, because it's going to be amazing. It's not going to be very long, and by the time you get back there, you're back on the boat, you're going to wish you spent more time in there. So just taking it one step at a time, not freaking out about it, and just enjoy yourself. But that's what I have for the shark safety part. That was more of a also story time part, but we had some safety facts in there, so it works out. But we're going to also move on to shark news now. Now, this week I did try to keep it all... Um, like shark theme or whale shark themed but the only whale shark news i could find was from like over a year ago and i'm not really sure that's very newsy at this point it's kind of old um and then uh even funnier since uh the nhl season is starting up when i first typed in shark news i got the first 10 articles were all about the san jose sharks which if you guys want, I'll also do an episode on them. I think that'd be kind of funny. But uh, I'll definitely do that as well, as that'd be kind of my two worlds colliding. But with this, I was finally able to find some uh, shark news. Now, both of it does come from Florida this week, as uh, Florida's going to have a lot of sharks in it. Also, it's going to have uh, just one of the largest shark populations in the world. And of course, uh, as more stories come up, they're usually going to come out of Florida because that is where people are usually in the water year-round, where we'll get more information on either shark bites or different shark activities from fishermen, anything like that. And that first comes up with our first one, which is the shark frenzy near shore, which was covered by the Mirror UK. 
uh, and there was a fisherman who was on his uh, shrimp boat in Florida. I noticed that quite a few sharks were following the boat near St. George Island. Now, with this, he claimed to be about 10,000, um, and I feel like that has to be a major over-exaggeration. I couldn't find anywhere in the article where they said that he joked uh, that it was 10,000. Um, so I think they low-key reported that it was 10,000 sharks, but I don't think there's any school of sharks that has been a 1,000 deep, let alone 10,000. So let's let's take that a little bit less. But with this, uh, he and his crew were throwing unwanted fish off the back of the boat, so any bycatch they got, they are just tossing off the back of the boat, which is a very common practice uh, when the sharks that were there, mostly bull and black tip sharks, uh, would eat up all the fish, kind of going into a frenzy, uh, similar to what you'd see like in piranhas when they're all going for it. So same way there. Uh, they also mentioned that some seagulls would try to get in, which, fun fact, sharks also eat seagulls. Um, they'll eat almost anything except for humans, so it works out. But <clears throat> but with this, uh, they'd all go into that frenzy, and the fishermen stated that they were concerned because they were shrimping not too far off from the shore, and they were afraid that this would cause sharks to go towards the shore, which could lead to a bite. Now, that is, in fact, possible. Uh, it just depends on if the fish that they're following go closer into shore, but it's unlikely simply because what is happening here is a very simple, same way that you can teach a dog to stop or start doing something, is that they've learned if they follow a boat and it's going to be a fishing boat, they can throw the fish off the back and they get a free meal. So then they don't have to do too much other than just keep up with the boat. So... It's a really sticky situation, um, simply because if they stop doing that, then that means that any fish caught in bycatch still dies. So it's kind of a lose-lose where you're getting sharks to follow boats, but you're also getting sharks, uh, or you're getting bycatch that's going to die no matter what. Um, so it's a really sticky situation there, but their whole worry was that it was going to go to the beach and then go bite someone. Well, the thing is, it's probably not going to, simply because... It just doesn't have any interest in what's going on in the beach. Uh, no one on the beach is chumming the water there unless they're doing it uh, from the pier or they are chumming the water in the beach, and that's going to be a different story. And that kind of goes back to our safety on piers that I talked about a couple weeks ago. Just kind of making sure you're aware that if someone is, in fact, chumming the water, don't be downstream from that or down current. Uh, so making sure you're okay in that regard. But the whole thing is that if they stop doing this, then the sharks don't get food. Uh, but also... This still creates a dangerous situation if someone is to fall off the boat um, or even if it's a passenger boat where they're not really throwing fish in the water. Um, but it's going to create an unsafe situation where if someone falls off the boat, then there's a good chance that they get bit instantly. Now, it's also pretty unlikely because most likely the shark's going to notice that it's too big to be something they normally eat. Uh, and then they'll just end up uh, like bonking into them. Uh, so they'll either hit them with like their nose or their fin or, or their body. Uh, so something like that, where it's going to be more likely just they get knocked into rather than bitten. But it could also be a shark's initial reaction to see something hit the water, being used to it being uh, food, and then just simply biting it and then realizing it's not food and releasing it. So it's going to be something that could get someone bit, and then if the sharks aren't enough of a frenzy, maybe multiple bites. Uh, so it's just something to be very careful of. Um, and I don't really have a really good advice on what to do here, because as already stated, it's a difficult situation where either bycatch dies on a boat versus to a shark or sharks just don't get fed in that point um and i'm not even sure how to get the sharks to stop doing it because they'll just go up to the nets and eat the food anyway now conveniently 
Uh, those fishermen are currently up in Alaska for salmon, so they're not going to be in that area, although there are still salmon sharks and everything up in ca uh, Canada and Alaska and everywhere like that. So same situation, different fish. But with this, it's going to hopefully teach the sharks to stop following boats if they're not getting fed as much. So I guess as long as like the fishing industry, I guess, like slows down in certain areas, which I'm not an expert on the fishing industry in any way, so I'm assuming they cycle around, but... Pretty much if they just don't keep fishing the same area repeatedly, then they shouldn't have the same sharks following them over and over again. But that's my best guess. Um, other than that, uh, I'm as lost as they are. But moving from there, we also then have another one that comes from Florida, which is did the sharks and dolphins leave Florida during Hurricane Ian? This was from USA Today. So for those of you that don't know uh, or may not remember, Somehow, uh, the hurricane that just hit Florida, it was Hurricane Ian, uh, hit the west coast of Florida. It was initially supposed to be aimed at Tampa and Clearwater and ended up hitting about two hours south uh, around Fort Myers, especially on Punta Gorda. Uh, so right around there, it was a Category 4, almost Category 5, just absolutely massive storm. Um, but uh, many manatees in this case were left kind of stranded for a little bit. Um, they were left uh, when the bays cleared out and when like rivers drained out because uh, the storm sucked all the water out uh, they're kind of stuck stranded there good news for them though is that they've evolved to handle this um, because especially when you're living in Florida that gets smacked by hurricanes there's a lot of ways that they've evolved to survive this including having uh, multiple offspring throughout the year uh, so that way they're still young to go around in case something happens and then also being able to kind of move along land now not very effectively uh it's kind of like a little roll or like a little like seal flop as well so kind of like that um but they can't go too far especially being massive animals but anyway the manatees are fine don't worry but the uh tag sharks in the past uh so especially around like hurricane charlie in 2004 they were shown to have left the area 24 hours prior to the storm hitting uh and then the 24 hours after the storm had hit and left they returned. Uh, so the sensors that were in their nose that they used to uh, detect all the electronic pulses and everything like that uh, are also connected to the poles of the earth, which is how they navigate during, uh, it's kind of like a weird GPS that they can use during uh, migration, uh, but the same way it can detect the different pressure changes and the differential and everything like that. So when a storm is coming in, it's going to create a lot of damage or it's going to be really heavy. They can usually tell when that's getting closer and when they need to get out. Um, so what they'll do is they'll usually leave. Now, of course, we did have that one shark that we mentioned last week that was in someone's backyard. So in some cases, the certain species will take advantage uh, and they'll hang out and all the fish that get stuck or have to leave the stream or anything like that, they'll just eat them up. So they'll take a nice, they'll take advantage of all that nice extra food, but in some cases, they'll leave. Uh, they'll go further out into the Gulf. Uh, they'll either uh, or they'll go more north, so that way they can go that way and just get away from the area that will be affected. But dolphins also do similar things. So dolphins will be frequently found in rivers or in bays. Um, also, fun fact: the last time I was down uh, in Florida, I was driving and my ADHD kicked in, and I actually looked out the window for half a second and saw dolphins, and immediately told everyone in the car and they were like why aren't you looking at the road so good idea to stay focused on the road <laughs> but you do see uh sharks around tampa bay all the or not but you do see sharks around tampa bay but dolphins as well um and you'll see them all over the place um so they're all around uh they also will leave uh simply because when it's raining a lot 
Uh, they also have to be careful of like the the floods, everything like that. Although they are uh, mammals, they do need to breathe. They also can't survive if they're just simply, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're simply beached on the land. So they need to make sure they also can get in the water and do what they need to do there. So there are a lot of things that go into place with both of those. Now, certain species of shark, like nurse sharks, they can usually hang out uh, where they are since they're going to be on the bottom anyway, as long as that water isn't going to suddenly leave, although uh, there are nurse sharks that do live in Tampa Bay as well, so when all that water got sucked out, uh, thankfully there were no reports of just dead sharks all across the bay, so they thankfully could tell that something was changing and they were able to move, so that way they wouldn't be stuck in Tampa Bay with no water, but there's also going to be a lot of other sharks, uh, like tiger sharks, uh, hammerheads. They definitely got out well before. Um, and they'll, of course, be around the bay, too, for those of you that don't know. There's sharks quite literally everywhere, especially around Florida. Uh, bays, rivers, uh, you just got to be careful because even bull sharks can go from salt water to fresh water. So that'll be a nice little fun fact for whenever we hit bull sharks next. But with this, uh, it's going to be a species of shark that can move from salt water to fresh, so they might be in a freshwater stream that you don't even know about. Um, but that's really all I have for this week. Of course, if you guys do have any follow-up questions or want any clarification or anything like that, or if you have a request for another shark that you'd like me to do, give me a heads up. I am more than happy to do that for you. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, follow the Instagram and rate this five stars on Spotify. We're also on Google and, uh, Apple podcast now. So leave a review there if you want to as well. And I will hopefully see you within the next week as time permits, but I'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thanks very much.